Hello, and welcome to Life Beyond the Numbers, the podcast for those curious about the non-finance aspects or the human side of working in accounting and finance. I'm Susan Nicriazon, and while I believe there is beauty in balancing a set of financial statements, the intricacies that underpin the workings are wondrous. The real beauty for me is in working with people. The intricacies that underpin our workings are wondrous too. And not one particular combination of input or formula will ever generate the same result. Join me and my guests as we place a lens on some of these wondrous intricacies that make us unique. And as we share insights, knowledge and strategies to inspire your life beyond the numbers. I am joined by Tony Pound. Tony, you're very welcome to Life Beyond the Numbers. Thank you for inviting me. I'm uh, I'm really pleased to be here. Thank you. Good. So, Tony, there's great energy on your website, and it kind of gives me a feeling of hope for the future (laughs) when I look at it and possibility. So your website is Journey Happy, and one of the main messages you give across is no rules, no restrictions, just good habits for life. It sounds like something we, we all need. Yeah. How do we get there? <laughs> well, I guess without trying to be using too many cliches, but it is about that journey. I think there's a danger of we're into that instant gratification in life. We see what we want and we want it now. But the reality is for things to last, it takes a bit of time to get there. And, and that's where it helps people along that that journey um to whatever it is they're looking to achieve it and and by building on your habits hopefully you're building in something that's um sustainable for you as opposed to i don't know chasing 12 weeks to a six pack you know that type of thing and just picking on the fitness industry but it's the same with everything those things are worth doing it's worth working over a period of time because mm, I think that's it, isn't it? Everywhere you go, it's like four weeks to get this done or with yeah. three lessons, you'll be able to, I don't know, lift 50 kilos or 100 <laughs> kilos or whatever. But that's not very healthy either, is it? It's not. And I think it it sets up the expectation wrong. I understand why people do it. I, you know, I spent a lot of time researching the the kind of health and wellness side of things as well as working in financial services and one of the common things that you see now is that these are all targeted to people because it tells them how long is it going to take me and what's my result going to be but it doesn't make it sustainable because you can turn things around reasonably quickly if you know what you're doing but often with these things it doesn't actually teach you anything it just tells you you follow this 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 make things pretty uncomfortable for a period of time. And some of you will get this result, but probably the majority of you won't because it's going to take a lot to get to that stage. So they're unsustainable. That's why the fitness industry in particular is making so much money from people because people have to keep coming back to these programs and things like that. They're, if they're not teaching you anything, you're still none the wiser of how you've created the solution to that particular problem. Mm, that's interesting and what you said there as well about when you worked in financial services but it's just made me think about how companies often prioritize profit in the short term 
yeah. to give bonuses as well. It's the same kind of thing. So you're actually not looking at the long term sustainability of your business and building your people. <laughs> you're <laughs> yeah. focused more on short term results. Yeah, absolutely. I've worked in financial service for 30 years. During that period of time, yeah, we've gone through uh, the back end of the 80s, 90s, you know, all of that culture that was around then. And unfortunately, it was very much all about the money, whether that was you as a salesperson or you as a company bringing in clients and that sort of culture then you're, you want the salespeople just to continually hit targets. And I've worked in some organizations where that it was all about the target and, and the people were forgotten. Thankfully, that's changed. Financial services have changed, but also there's a, a huge awareness of this idea that, yeah, if you just keep treating people like that, they're going to go somewhere else. And then you have to repay for retrain somebody else. So you, if you've got a high turnover in staff, that's not ideal for you as a business. And then if people are off sick and things like that, then again, that's a high cost to that business. And and now, it, it, hopefully, it's now more about looking after the client and their objectives. And, and it's not really about the money. You know, that's just a tool we use, isn't it? But it's more about what your goals are. And this is with the synergy of the fitness industry and financial services. It's all about why do you want to be fit? What is it you want to do? Because if you if you just want, I don't know, again, I keep picking the easy, the, the, the six pack, but if that's what you want, because you've seen it on Instagram, then you're not really probably in a stage where you're going to be willing to make the sacrifices to get there. And the same with retirement. If you're just putting money away, well, how do you know when you've had an, you've got enough money? And it's more about the goals, really. So um, that that really segues nicely into what else you <laughs> offer you help people plan for their future yeah essentially that's that's is that throughout my career and journey as most people do you you're, you formulate certain ideas about how you think you things should be done and give you an idea like when my little one was born she's now five i was working uh, in corporate world providing financial advice to corporate clients and, and individuals for somebody else. So you're told who to deal with and you, and essentially it was still a bit, bit like, okay, well, these people are in front of you. You need to, to sell something. Well, that didn't sit with how I wanted to work and being a new dad, I didn't really want to be stuck in that environment. Previously that, like everybody, a lot of people, I turned 40 <laughs> and I had uh, re-found my enthusiasm for exercise again although I'd re I played football and stayed you know karate and things like that my lifestyle had been very especially in financial services very much uh, a drinking culture out after work all of those type of things but when I turned 40 I knew I needed to change it got back into running and then did a real deep dive into health um, and fitness so when I did take a step back from corporate world I continue to work within financial services but not directly with clients at that point and spent a lot of time building my knowledge and just really enjoying being in the fitness world if you like so I, I did things like my personal training certifications loads of bits and pieces that I went with that nutrition all of those things and one of the the kind of things I, I always then thought is there's a huge synergy again you know because 
there's a lot of information out there. People can find a lot of information about health, about financial services. You know, if you want to know about pension, then you can find that information on there. If you want to know about running a marathon, you can find that information on there. But that doesn't mean people do it. So there's a, the barrier isn't about knowledge. It's about applying yourself to do it or even try not to be so confused about all that information because you get to a certain stage and we think, well, okay, all this information out there has just kind of confused me even more. I don't know what the next step is. <laughs> so I've always thought there's this synergy. I need to bring it together somewhere, but I've always been a bit concerned that maybe my credibility in one area would be lost. You know, if, if I'm dealing with people that want to invest money and look at their pensions, then and they're not interested in the health side of things, then by knowing that I'm also doing this other thing, is there a loss of credibility? Well, what I found is actually, if you work with the right people, then there isn't. And that's not to say all my clients that work on the financial side of things also then do health side of things. But my, the journey happy side of things that I work with is very much attuned to this holistic health, wealth and happiness side of things. Because you know, given and in this situation that we're going through now, we're so much anxiety about that. It was always obvious to me the things that people worry about is their health, their wealth, and then it can be any number of different things. Is that third one? You know, the relationships, that side of things. There was a report come out recently that people still worry about their wealth, but interestingly, they worry about their health, but they also worry about their family's health. Again, I, I understand why that would be, given where we are. And, but it's also people understand now there's a connection to your health to be able to deal with all of these stresses that we're under. And sorry, and then, Tony, I, I guess health as well. Now, finally, probably mental health is included in health. It's not just physical health that we're talking about here. Absolutely. And this is where, again, the financial side of things there's a wide range of finances. You know, you've got from somebody that needs help with budgeting, maybe it's got some debt issues, they need some help with that. Ranging right up to the other problem where somebody's got too much money and they don't know what to do with it and things like that. So <laughs> there's a there's a whole wide range. And all of that brings a stress to somebody. Yeah, you could argue that having too much money is a nice stress to have, but it may well still be a stress situation for them and affect their mental health. The physical side of things, whatever your class is being healthy, if you're in a situation where your health is working against you, it's not gonna help you deal with other anxieties in the in the in your world. And so there is that, and that mental health, there's again, there's that whole wide range of things, but so many of these things will help your mental health until you get to a stage where maybe it's, it's a little bit more difficult for you to deal with, and then you need of a specialist that can help you with those things so as a holistic approach they're all linked they're all linked really um they really are but because we need them all to live you do there's a gallup um survey that was done of about 150 countries and what it came out with was this idea that for a, a life well lived there was five areas and i'm gonna try and remember them all <laughs> Community springs to mind is the first one, and we know that now. That's uh, something really important for a lot of people. There's your financial health, which we've touched on, your physical health, your relationships and career. And it seemed to say, okay, well, these five things, if you can get these right, then you'll live what they class as a, a life well lived. 
what they worked out was percentage wise only seven percent of people have kind of nailed all those areas 66 percent of people got one or area covered but only seven percent covered them all 66 has one area yeah that Not would, more than one no that's it i don't believe so i think that was just one area wow. and then only seven percent cover all of those and i guess some of those things are going to be dis- more important to you in different stages of your life but if they have an impact on your overall wellness then it's taking some action in those areas isn't it absolutely Uh, and so with financial well-being a lot of people put that off I think but let's just say you're in a normal whatever that is (laughs) but you're going to work you're getting your salary every month and maybe you've got a pension but you've never really thought about the contributions or what that means for your future. Yeah. I think people tend to put off really thinking about that. Or do they? No, they do. (laughs) They do. And we can all relate to those sort of things. I've just recently done a a load of presentations to a a company where we look after their pensions and I meet with everyone just to go through it. And and they're a young firm in terms of their, their staff. And so some of them are in their early 20s all in a very similar situation where they're, they're at home still trying to save money for a deposit. And we know how hard that is, but they're fortunate because their company has put a pension in place for them. And then they're paying various different levels into that. For those individuals, it's difficult for them to see what retirement is like, let alone think about what they want to achieve. They can't even so, imagine being your age. No, absolutely. <laughs> and it's like, you know, you can ask them what their parents are doing and, and some of them say that, okay, their parents are closer to like 50, mid 50s, late 50s. So it's very much real for them. And this is the thing with it. So so at that time, the fact they're doing something is good. They might not realise it now, but when they get older, there'll be something there at least to build on. Whereas there are individuals that that's not the case. Maybe somebody's self-employed So if they've gone self-employed from an early age, nobody's setting that up for them. And we will not talk about it because we're English. We won't talk about finances and things like that. I read somewhere else we'd rather talk about our sexual partners than talk about our money. Really? (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. It's still that British thing where we just don't talk money. So they might not do it until they're later in their life. And then, of course, they're trying to play catch up. And again, this is where that comes back to. It's that planning. You know, if you sometimes I don't know if you necessarily need to understand why you're planning. It always helps. So when you're younger, you understand why, but you might not be able to picture it. But if you know what the ultimate goal is, then you can start planning and then you can forget about it. You know, every year, forget about it and go about your life and somebody come and review it with you every year and, and remind you about it. And yeah, and I guess the nice thing is if you are having it deducted or it's a a direct debit you tend to forget about it then it's gone oh yeah that's a, a big thing that i like to do, get people to automate things because once you start and it you get used to it coming out so yeah the great way is your employer if they've got the ability some benefits and things like that again we're back to that whole well-being if they're looking after their staff they might have a various sources of benefits your pension is your obvious one it's taken out of your salary before you can get to spend it but that's the same to be said with all the other types of savings. Once your money's in your bank account, if you get a standing order, 
and the money's taken out of your bank account the very day you get it, you, you, you quickly get used to that money going out and you forget it and it's been taken care of. So it's automating it. Yeah. Mm. Um, and, then, and it's those steps. It's the steps. And then what about people who have pensions and there is a crisis and you know, <laughs> I hear people saying, oh, like there's been this much written off my pension and my pension's taken a nosedive yeah. and the investments. Again, it's that we love to hear the FTSE 100 fall. You know, that's, <laughs> it seems to be, we love that piece of news or at least the newspapers do. And because we'll always hear, they'll always hit that as a headline when the FTSE's taken a real hammering, but they won't necessarily then tell you about any of the recovery part of it. They might tell you about huge spikes, but they might not tell you about the boring bit where it's gradually recovered over a period of time. Some people have an aversion to, to investing because of that reason. Now, don't get me wrong. If you are just about to retire and something happens in the market, then it potentially could have an impact on the pot of money but it's back to that planning because if you are just coming up to retirement then really you shouldn't be in that type of environment and you shouldn't have been in that type of environment for a while as opposed to just letting things happen it's taking a little bit of control and just making that plan thinking okay well i'm i need to be or i want to give up work in a couple of years time well do i really need to take any more risk with my money or do i just need to make sure it's somewhere quite safe or safer and it's just that planning because if you just think ignore it and when you get to 65 you suddenly want to look at it, it, it Potentially, you could have had a knock-on effect. So it is, it's, a, it is about taking responsibility mm. for that. And again, depending on where you are in your life will depend on how much of a priority that is for you. But what I try and say to people is the pension, the cash, that's just a tool. You know, that's not the important bit. The important bit is what is it you want to do? Because if you can nail that down, then you can know what is it you need to do to get there. I've got you know, I've, I've got clients that have been fortunate enough to retire as it is at 45. You know, they've worked, they've sold their business and that's how they've generated that pot of money. And retirement is nothing about a pension. Retirement is about, can I replace the income that I'm currently earning doing this job? And if you can get that income, then you retire. But essentially he's not retired. He's now doing something else. He's doing something else because he's got an income that he, is comfortable on now he can do the things that he wants to do and not worry about the salary that he's given him you know whether that's voluntary work or whether that's doing a different type of work that he's always wanted to do but never paid the salary it doesn't necessarily have to be replacing the level of income either it's more about no. what do i need and want to live it comes as a surprise to people when you sit down and go okay well what is it that you want to do with your time what would an ideal week look like you know what don't you do now that you would want to do and then you can put some figures on it and then you've got a real re, the reality then not the perception because the perception for a lot of people is oh i'm going to retire you know skin <laughs> i'm not going to have any money and i've seen clients before where they've genuinely worked all their life there's not been any downtime in between they've raised families they've gone through all of that and now their children are older and they think well, i'm gonna to have to carry on working until god knows when it becomes a bit more real with them often by then people have got pension pots all over the place all that sort of thing so they do an exercise where they think well actually let's have a look at what we've got and again if you're not concentrating on what you've got what is it you need you can establish well actually the reality is i've been able to build up a big pot of money and i've got enough now that if i wanted to 
I could retire uh, and take it easy. I say this is day and age, people are fit and healthy. Reality is that retirement doesn't quite look like it used to, but by choice, they carry on working for the social element. Again, back to this, the well-being side of things, a social element, having something to get up for in the morning, keeping yourself interested. But again, it, without picturing that vision, it's that vision of what you want it to look like. Yeah, but also making the vision realistic because yeah, <laughs> you might like think, oh, I want to travel the world for 10 years. And maybe <laughs> that isn't something that you can afford or you'd need to put away more or start planning earlier. Yeah, it's that, it is that reality and the perception. So the, some of the conversations I have to have with people is like that, where you go, well, actually, do you know what? You don't have enough to be able to do that. So let's rethink about how you can do that. You know, does it mean mini retirements? You know, you do something and then you take a long extended holiday, some holiday that you wouldn't have been used to taking when you were working, not the normal two weeks or so, but maybe doing longer me breaks and just coming up with a different strategy around it if they don't have the ability to squirrel more money away really it just reminds me the term mini retirement i walked the camino a number of years ago right from lisbon to santiago de compostela and most of the people i met were actually just retired and they were on this journey yeah. To figure out what they would do with the rest of their lives or the rest of their time or the rest of their money or whatever. Yeah. And and I was 20 years younger than most of them, maybe even more. And I used to say, well, I, I'm on my mini retirement. I've left my job. It's an extended period. And I'm also on this journey to figure out yeah. what I want to do but I think it's a great way to spend your life as well if you can not to work all the time absolutely I think so I, I did very something very similar a little bit later in my life I, I went traveling across America and it was for a period of six weeks so again longer I'd, I'd worked quite an extensive time with a, an employer and I'd clocked up some extra holidays and things like that so I did this trip and it was again one of those things I thought about for a while but the catalyst for that was just taking one action. I booked the flight out to New York. And as soon as I'd done that, the rest of it, well, I had to take some action. Then I had to plan it, you know, and all of that. But like you, I have I viewed that as a, this is like a mini retirement, you know, six weeks. I intend to come back into a job and, and work on again. But what the mindset that they gave me for that period of time, just crossing America, you know, it sounds odd now, but just seeing these things that I'd seen in movies and all that, and knowing that I'd created that by that first action, I'd created that. So the only thing that ever stops me doing things is me. It doesn't say that I don't not do things now and still get in my own way, but that kind of just realized it. And sometimes I think the same with retirement. If you, you know, generation beforehand didn't perhaps have the luxury that we did to be able to do that. And it becomes a bit more normal. So now they get in that stage. My brother is in the same age as I am. His kids are grown up now, you know, so he's now got the second stage where actually these things become available to him to make these little breaks and give yourself some time to start to think about, well, actually, is this what I want to do when I, when I retire, take these more mini breaks and travel a bit more while I can uh, and again it comes back to that health if that's what you want to do then you need to be looking after your health because we know that later in life it becomes a bit more of an issue but yeah just having that vision it comes back to that vision again 
just being able to picture it. And you've mentioned pots of savings earlier. And yeah. I heard on one of your podcast episodes, and we'll talk about your podcast in a moment, that the UK Office of National Statistics published a finding about savings being way up. Yeah, yeah. It's, I've said to people before, and I've heard this being said, that we are all in the same storm, but we're in different boats. As I said to you, I've got young kids. So my challenge is... is physically dealing with my kids and trying to work and my partner trying to work my other friends their kids are older so there's very much school and things like that but what doesn't is the financial side of things we know the horrific stories people losing their jobs it's become apparent that you really do need to have an emergency fund to be able to fall back on the statistics before we went into lockdown was most people or like a huge amount of people were perhaps only a, a month and a half away from disaster because we didn't keep savings we know that commuting now, the costs of things like that have dropped because we're not going anywhere. We're, we're all doing Zoom meetings and things like that. But that's particular stat said, yeah. It's, and eating out. And eating out, yeah. You know, we, we, we had that opportunity where we get takeaways in and things like that now and maybe spent a huge amount on Amazon in the initial kick-in. <laughs> but I think a lot of people have had the opportunity to say, well, actually, I'm not spending that anymore. Personally, I was saving a fortune on nursery fees because the kids weren't going into school and after school club. Yeah, that's a huge, that was a huge saving then. So yeah, their statistic is that all of this money is now sat in cash for these people that have been fortunate to have been furloughed and still receiving money, but saving or were able to work and, and save. And then it's a case, where's that going to go? Because they talk about this whole big, spike in recovery because we're going to hit the shops and spend all this money well hopefully people have a bit more sensible about that and they've been able to put this money together and they do something with it as opposed to just going back to what we used to do yeah it's kind of understanding the value of money yeah it's it you know the money itself we always have this money is evil well it's not it's what you choose to do with it it gives you the gives you options if you've got savings and an opportunity comes up then it gives you the option to take some opportunities, whether that's investing in a business or going on a holiday because you've got the money there. If you haven't got it there, then you don't have the option to do that. And the same with your savings. It just gives you some choices in the future. If you don't have it, then you just don't have those choices. Same as retirement. If you haven't got a pot of money at retirement, well, you don't have a choice. You're going to have to work and hopefully your health will last and you continue to do that. So yeah, so this money is it's all sat there and the world is waiting for what people are going to do with it. Are they going to pump it back into the economy or are they going to save it? And for some people, it might be the first time they've had savings. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a habit. Again, you, once you've got into the habit, because hopefully what you've done is you now understand what your income and outgoings are because maybe you've been forced to look at what you're spending on things which is always one of the fundamentals. You look through your, your direct debits, your standing orders. It's amazing how many times I do that with somebody and they find something that they didn't realise they were still paying for, so they cut that back. And maybe now they've got a bit of a difference between their income and outgoings that they're able to do something with. Uh, and then they save and perhaps that's created that habit. And like you say, it could be the first time that they've been able to have this behind them and maybe it's, it's formulated some decisions about whether they don't want to work where they work now and this gives them the opportunity to go self-employed there's lots of things that it could be or it could be they just think well when we get out of this we'll just take a really nice holiday 
Yeah, it brings me back to earlier, you mentioned something about corporate well-being programs. Mm. And it seems to me that the financial well-being, giving people these options or explaining to people how to be financially savvy. Yeah. It's, makes it, a lot of sense, actually. It does. Now, unfortunately, we haven't taught this to kids in the school. You know, we talked to quite rightly we we teach them a broad range of subjects and then obviously as we get older we tend to narrow down a little bit what we want to learn as an adult you you learn that actual continued development is is a great life skill to have just keep learning things so i think with employers there's the opportunity to help those people that have never really learned about money skills and they can be quite straightforward because it's the simple things done well that'll have their the big impact so if you've got people that maybe have not budgeted before not really considered it they they don't know how much is coming into the house or they don't know how much is going out they got some credit card debt they don't understand how it's built up so just a basic lesson on how to budget and things to consider can help alleviate some anxiety and again hopefully an employer is doing it for the right reasons because they want to look after their staff but one of the benefits is if your staff aren't as stressed out and anxious about their own money then you are going to get a benefit of performance. Uh, they're going to um, be happier. No, I, I can see that completely because money is one of the things that people really worry about, that keeps them awake at night, that yeah. stresses them. And if you're bringing that into work every day. Absolutely. Yeah. And it is, and it's like that combination of things. So where it fits more with the, the corporate thing is, is little lunch and learns and things like that. It's where you just come in, you do a little workshop on a, in an area and it ties in with that holistic, whether it's nutrition, how to hydrate properly, all links in because it all links to our wellbeing. These are all pockets, if you like. And they're all basic. I think yeah. that's the thing as well. The world we live in tends to overcomplicate everything oh, often. Doesn't it just, yep. And it, we, we forget about the basics, like what do we need to eat, drink, yeah. walk, sleep, whatever. Yeah. Which brings me to your podcast, because you recently launched a podcast, Tony. I did, yeah, <laughs> finally. <laughs> <laughs> and it's called Journey Happy. It is, and it is. It links all that that health, wealth, and happiness together. It's something I've wanted to do for a while. Been putting it off for all sorts of different reasons, and then finally started. And I'm really enjoying. Took a first it. action. Did yeah. I had the microphone and for a couple of years, <laughs> thinking I was wanting to do it. It's not quite the podcast that I envisaged back then, but it was just taking that first action, and 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 that was due to talking to a friend about it and thinking actually, yeah, this. Why don't I just do this and it's a, it's a way of me linking all those three things together so in my if you like my business and a big element of that is the financial services so i deal with people that have a problem an expensive problem that they want to solve so they're in a position where they want to unlock what is they want to do in retirement do they have enough money when is it going to run out those sort of things the health side of things as well is that I have a, a group of people that I look after and nurture in terms of their health, whether that's running related because they want to achieve a goal or whether they've got another goal where they want to feel well about things and, and feel healthy. And then there's another pocket where it's just really an education piece. It's, it's explaining it to people because we do have a habit of overcomplicating things. And whether that's because 
the person that you've sat with is just wants to tell you how intelligent they are and bamboozle you with all the jargon or whether we just got confused because there's so much information out there so i'll try and make it very simple about these three elements and it could be the one week i may well do a financial something based on you know, what's a pension or something like that or it could be that i'd look at more hydration because we go back to that simple things just nobody drinks enough well i say nobody that's why <laughs> we tend not to drink enough water and that can have a knock-on effect to how we feel in the day it's so simple it's not sexy but we forget those simple things and happiness. I've got lots of friends that work within that arena, their mental health. And again, I look to tap into their experiences where people can feel better about some of the challenges that they face. And I think there was one on sleep. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Again, and it comes back to that. I spoke to Fiona, who interestingly enough was also in the corporate world when we used to work together and made a decision to step away from that and became a, a personal trainer. She now specializes in working with women. And one of the areas that she specializes in is with sleep. Because again, it's one of those fundamental things that we can do to improve our health. But it's, it is a challenge for lots of different reasons. And again, for this period, lots of things to keep us awake. But there are things that we can do to help with that. And if you nailed sleep and hydration, there's two big, big um, stones, if you like, in, uh, in that health side of things. Yeah, from everything that I read and learn, sleep is really the key. Getting yeah. qualities and quality sleep, not just sleep, but quality yeah. sleep, which is another step, <laughs> you know, for people. Because even living in a city, you have noises and sounds and lights and getting quality sleep is, is a challenge for many people. It is. And we, our lives have become that, you know, we've got all these devices in our bedrooms and things like that. So that doesn't help. Uh, generally, we're kind of watching TV. We're a heightened sense right up until we go to bed. And then it takes a long time to recover from that before we're into that sleep. And then we've got lots of things on that we think about. So the sleep is key because one of the things I found is I've always journaled. But it's one thing I'm trying to do more now and just writing down things before I go to bed, even if it's making my to-do list for the next day, it helps with the sleep side of things. Emptying the mind. Yeah, that's it. All those things that go around. And again, this is where running comes into it because <laughs> I'll go out for a run and my mind, it just whirs through all of these things. I so often have to stop and make a note in my phone about things. <laughs> it just calms the mind somebody told me once don't let your thoughts take you for a walk but take <laughs> your thoughts for a walk yeah you have to be with it a bit don't you the full thoughts you need that time and you know it is i don't know what it you just need somewhere where you can let your mind just wander and i just find that really therapeutic sometimes i get home and think i really wish i could remember what it was i was thinking about at that moment in time because that was gold <laughs> yeah. i know i take my my phone with me yeah and i will send myself a, a message you know <laughs> or record something because yeah stuff comes to you when you're when you have time to think yeah and it's finding what what it is that works for you isn't it yeah, exactly. um, where that, that place is exactly exactly and maybe then back to habits Tony because we've thought about mm. talked about all yeah. of these things <laughs> and 
all of them are really brilliant, but you can't do everything at once. That's one thing I've learned because then you just fall off a cliff. Brilliant. Yep. yep. But how how can you instill a habit? I think it's a question a lot of people ask all the time. It they do. And we've been used to hearing how long does it take to form a habit? 21 days, 66 days. I've heard banded around now. And it is difficult to form a habit. So you need to be consistent with it. But at the same time, a habit is formed over time and that's going to be down to the individual but I think some of the habits is looking at not trying to change everything all in one go because that is often yeah new year's day is a classic isn't it you just want to check you want to fit and healthy I'm not doing this and then you just list all the things you're not going to do and then we know come halfway through January you've done half of those things so it's not overwhelming so it's picking one habit and then kind of layering when I work with people, I tend to work over a two week period because it's an educational piece over those two weeks. You do bite sized things, but that's not to say then the following two weeks, they're not still working on a habit. But I think by then we can introduce another one. So for example, hydrating, that's one of the habits that I often work with people and it's layering it with people and saying, okay, well, what is it you do throughout the day that you always do? What are the habits have you already got that you can then add this one onto so it can be things like every time you get up and move away from your desk that's when you will get a glass of water or you know ideally you might have a bottle with you all the time so every time you finish a piece of work or something that you you take a drink or even setting an alarm that says every 20 minutes i'm going to get up and away from a desk and that's when i'm going to take a, water, a drink of water so it's finding something that you've naturally <laughs> that takes a drink for water yeah it's just it's just building it, layering it on one on the top of the other. And there's some great books out there. There's a book called Atomic Habits. That's Atomic Habits, sound. James yeah. Clear. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And 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 he's gone this through a four-stage process. And the the example they use is you know, your text messages. Your phone beeps, you pick it up. So there's the first one. The second is then it's that anticipation of checking your message. You get rewarded because there's a message there and it's all that you know, dolphins and all that kick in and then you put it down. So now you know that you're going to get rewarded. So every time you pick it up, you get rewarded. But of course, sometimes you pick it up, nobody's messaged you, you crash down and, and it becomes a habit. So that book is really good. There's some great stuff in there. Okay, um, cool. Yeah. <laughs> but, but consistency and persistence. Yeah, that's it. And there's going to be times when you're not going to be able to do it. You know, it won't the idea that you can do something perfectly all the time is is a real stick that we hit ourselves with but when you fall off once you know the fundamentals of it then you can recorrect that course same as if you're not eating enough vegetables you, you while you start doing the habits you can see it build it when you know you've not done it you know that you've missed a couple of days but then you've got the skills to put it back into onto work and this is where I go back to that. If you know what the fundamentals you need to do, then you know, you've, you'll always know when there's a period that you're not doing it for some reason, you'll know what you need to do and you can just put it back again. Whereas if you've just followed something where somebody's going, you do this, 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 then you don't know. I am a runner. I've been a runner all my life. And I got back into it, I'd say, when I turned 14 and, and then I'm now a running coach. So running has always been important to me. 
I've got young kids so that we have to balance that when I go out. I don't do as many marathons this time around, although I'm starting to train again for those. So it's always been important. And I know when I haven't been out for a run because I start getting a bit <laughs> you know, fractious and it's not great for everybody. So when lockdown one came in this situation, my running just went off a cliff. I didn't get out for it. And fundamentally, the, obviously everything going around, balancing work, with my partner trying to work, the kids, there was lots of reasons for it, but there wasn't any real reason for not going out. But what I worked out was actually my expectation was when I go out, I want to go out for an hour and go for a run. Well, the reality was I couldn't get out for an hour. And what I was doing is if I couldn't get out for an hour, I wasn't going. And this was the same for any kind of workout. If I thought, well, I haven't got an hour to do a workout, I didn't go. When I re-reformed that in terms of looking at things, well, actually, why am I trying to go out for an hour? Let's just go out for two miles or 20 minutes and then that's good enough i'm not training for anything so my purpose for running a change it wasn't now to train for something it was more for my mental health and well-being and traditionally i'm not a big fan of running every day i tend to run alternative days and when i go out i'll go from anywhere from three to ten miles so going out for two miles i got over it in my head that it wasn't very far well actually two miles is still pretty far and i got consistent with it because now i was thinking well i've got 20 minutes i go out for a run and before i'd known it in that month, I pretty much run most days. If I couldn't get out, I didn't beat myself up about it. I did more miles in that month than I have done for a long time. And I felt so much better. And again, it was that change of that expectation. We put this expectation on ourselves, you know, the labels that we put on ourselves. I'm a runner. I need to go out and run a long way. Well, you don't. Uh, and you can change it. So simply that two miles, I used to run reasonably fast and then run faster coming back. And that was my workout for the day. Uh, so it doesn't, again, we're back to that. It doesn't have to be complicated. We don't have to get too overly involved in it, really, at these stages. And we don't need special equipment. <laughs> no, no. I wish I'd, I wish I'd sold specialist equipment at this time because <laughs> everybody, every van I saw for ages was like big pieces of equipment coming out of it. But you, no, you don't. That's it. Brilliant. Well, Tony, if somebody wants to work on their health, wealth and happiness, how do they connect with you? So my website is journeyhappyfp.com. And, and on there, that's where I collect, if you like, all my, my thoughts and my podcast is on there. Social media, it's very much the same. Journey Happy Fit is on Instagram. So that's where people can connect with me. And if somebody's looking at financial advice or corporate workshops, my contact details is on there as well. So that's probably and LinkedIn place. as well. And LinkedIn. Yeah, I'm, I love LinkedIn at the moment. I really, really enjoy being on there. So again, you can find me on there as well. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for your time, Tony. It was great to talk with I've you. I really enjoyed it, Susan. Thank you very much for the invite. Thank you for listening today. And if you enjoyed our exploration of life beyond the numbers, please subscribe to this podcast and share it with others who might also be curious about their own life beyond the numbers.